First impressions aren't the most important thing. They're the only thing. At Ernie's Print Shop, we'll produce what you need to represent your company professionally. Right now, you can get 1,000 full-color business cards, 1,000 4x6 postcards, or a 3x5 banner for just $60. You choose. Check us out at Ernie'sPrintShop.com. Ernie's Print Shop. Over 50 years, one source, one solution. Ernie'sPrintShop.com. 502-969-8585. Being a victim of crime is no joke, but you do have options that can help you avoid becoming a victim. I'm Ed Springston of the My View Matters Radio Show, and on behalf of myself and co-host Ed Martin, I urge each of you to help us fight against crime. You can do your part by calling Crime Stoppers at 582 Clue. Since 1982, Crime Stoppers has helped get over 23,000 criminals off the street with your help. Working together, we can make a difference to take our streets back. Please call Crime Stoppers at 582-CLUE, or you can visit them online at www.582clue.com. Remember, Crime Stoppers always offers up to a $1,000 reward. Get involved and help make a positive change in your neighborhood. Thanks. Advertisers, here's a great way to reach a quality audience. Get heard on My View Matters and make some noise in the marketplace. Email myviewmatters at aol.com for advertising opportunities. Make a sound investment. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! gentlemen, welcome once again to the Ed Springster Show, brought to you by the MVM Radio Network, home of EdSpringster.com. You can go for all the latest stories, podcasts, and the usual stuff we've got going on. While you are at EdSpringster.com, I would ask that you please do a few things. First and foremost, like the thousands of people before you, please join our email newsletter. We'll send you updates on a weekly or a monthly basis, your choice. Um, also, join the RSS feed. Thousands and thousands of you guys listen to this show via podcast. We'd appreciate it if the rest of you would join in. And finally, donate, donate, donate. Yes, we have a donate button at edsprings.com. We rely on you guys to kind of help us out to pay the bills around here. So if you can help us out, we'd appreciate it. Um, in the meantime, call in numbers as always, 858 858-683-1326. You can reach us there. If you hit the number one on your dial pad, that lets us know you want to be heard on air. We'll try to get you on as soon as possible. You can also reach us in the live chat, which is now open. And you can join us on Facebook at Ed Springston. So all kinds of ways to, to talk to us and everything else. So get with us if you'd like. Um, Ed Martin looks to be running a couple of minutes late. He was a little bit busy today, I know. He hadn't been around too much. Um, so he should be joining us in a few minutes. Well, let's go ahead and get started. It is Election Eve here in Louisville. So Election Eve means we have to talk about a few races, but there are a couple of stories we want to kind of touch on first. Um, Kentucky, we got to talk about Kentucky. 
Um, you know, we'll just spend a minute there for sure. Hello, Mr. Martin. How are you, sir? All right, Mr. Springston. Got got to cover our football. Football. Yeah, well, you know, we got you know, we we've been covering them for the last few weeks and and you know, a lot of people were disappointed that Kentucky lost to Georgia. Some people didn't think they had a chance. And I'll be honest with you, I was I was proud of the effort. I mean, they made a few mistakes, but you're going to make mistakes against a Georgia team. Um, you know, it's just the way it is. But it didn't really hurt them in the standings or anything or in the rankings at all. And you know, so they've still got an outside shot at hitting a major bowl. One thing's for sure, they will not be going back to the Music City Bowl this year, even if they lose out. So no. they're going to be somewhere around New Year's Day, probably down in Florida or there, about some warm climate. But I thought they did a pretty good job overall. They missed some opportunities, but I thought they did a pretty good job overall. They were just beaten by a better team. Yeah, and I think people got to realize that I don't know where UK started the season off in the polls, but if I'm not mistaken, Georgia was uh, top five, if not number two, for a while behind Alabama. And so, you know, this is a solid team. And you got to remember, this is the team that, that played Alabama for the national title, I think, as, as I recall. But, and this is a this is a serious. Georgia is, you know, it, it's and it's a testament to the job Stoops has done that UK fans were thinking there's a chance, and yeah, you know, there was a chance, and they, the boys played with a lot of heart. They they've got you know, but but Georgia is at this point in the game, Georgia is is up there with with the Clemsons and the Alabamas of the country, and it's. It's, there's not a damn thing to be ashamed of, especially since they fought and fought and fought, you know, the whole game. It just, even when it was, you know, that's the one thing I noticed. When it was over, there's a minute 42 left, and they're two scores down. They yep. can't fight. You know, and Absolutely. Like, <laughs> and that's really all you can ask for. I, yeah. uh, you know, I, I was very proud of I mean, who would have thought that Kentucky would even have a shot in an elitist game? I mean, let's face facts. When you play Georgia, Alabama, Teams like that, you're, you're playing history. I mean, these guys have, are always in the top. They always have been. Kentucky's kind of new to that situation. Even being considered anywhere close to the top is a new situation for Kentucky. This isn't something they're used to. So, you know, the fact that they continued to fight and kept their head up and everything else, uh, you know, I, w- I was very impressed with them, very proud of the effort. And I think most people were. I mean, I even had a bunch of Louisville fans who can't stand Kentucky. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how great Kentucky's heart is, and they wish they had that with Louisville, right? So, you know. I mean, what are you going to say? If you're a U of L fan, you're just going to sound, and I am a U of L fan, but I've always been a bit of a UK fan, too. So, I mean, if Mm -hmm. you're one of those hardcore U of L fans that can't stand UK, uh, you're kind of out of options this time of year. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, and, 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 it's, and, it's, and, and you might as well just keep your mouth shut because because mm. anything you say can and will be used <laughs> against you as far as making you look right. like a fool. So, <laughs> yeah. Right, absolutely. Oh man! And, oh, that's that's totally interesting. And, 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 and you know, the fact that the Louisville fans are being somewhat nice now just happens to coincide with the fiasco mm. that the Louisville program is this year. Uh, you oh. know, against Clemson against Clemson on Saturday, I just turned it over at halftime. I could not watch any more of that slaughter. I mean, it's just, <laughs> just beyond believable, and and it's going to get worse. Uh, now, Bobby Petrino lost yet another recruit today, 
uh, who had committed to play there. So he's down to 10 basic recruits for next year. The highest one he's got is a three-star recruit. Uh, he's lost defensive recruits that he really, really needed. Um, you know, he's, nobody wants to come to Louisville now, um, which doesn't surprise me much. And I kind of half expected that when I got rid of Tom Jurich, I knew the Louisville program would be in trouble. We actually talked about that a little bit, but I tell you, I didn't expect to see it just implode this quickly. And, uh, so it's going to be a really interesting off season. I don't think it has, I don't think it has anything to do with Jurich. I think, I think actually Going back, I think Jurich is partly to blame. He brought Petrino in and stood by him and, and, and went on to do foolish things, as it seems now, to build onto the stadium and everything. You know, I was saying it last year and the year before. It's like I was, even then, was completely, completely unimpressed with the team that Bobby Petrino put on the field because it was the Lamar Jackson show. Bobby Petrino... I, it just annoys the hell out of me when I listen to an actor say he's a he's an offensive genius. I'm thinking, talking about his, right. his offensive genius for the last two years has been limited to Lamar Jackson being fast enough to outrun defenders on broken plays when the blocking sucked or the catching sucked. That much know, is Lamar true. Carried, Lamar carried the team. So, yeah, when he graduated, I have. Absolutely, I have this. This season does not surprise me at all. It's about in the fact that it is so bad, it, it surprises me a bit. But but it surprises me a lot. Season, not at all. Not at all. That's I mean, they me didn't. I mean, well, the, the thing that surprised me was Lamar. Well, I agree with you there. But losing to the Clemsons and, and the elites, I've got no problem with. But when, you're, but when you're losing games you're supposed to win against basically high school teams, that surprised me. I expected them to at least be competitive in some of their games. And they haven't been competitive in any games except one. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the, that's the, the thing. The fact that's that the not, thing. The fact that they're not any good doesn't surprise me. The fact that they are this this bad right. does surprise right. me. There's no they should at least have They should at least have the bodies and, and you know, and the, and the recruits and the, and the skill. Right. They should have, you know, if you look on paper – Virginia never should have been in the. You know, there's a lot of teams. Geez, Indiana State should never have been in the you know, on the on the field with them. But uh-huh. they're you know adding to that just absolute lackluster coaching. You know, Bobby Petrino's son. I mean, what the hell did he coach Lamar Jackson? He didn't teach Lamar or anything. He, and he, right. He's screaming oh, no. at how useless he is with these two with these quarterbacks they've got right now, up to and to and including the one that just left because he's like, yeah, I'm I'm done. This is this is. Yeah, and that and was a pressure they put in in three games this year. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. Yeah, well, it, he, uh, he, he had to get out. That freshman mm-hmm. had to get out because once they put you in for the fourth game, you lose a year's eligibility. He had to right. get out. You know, and, he had to register. He, he had, had to register to, to leave. The, right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You know, that's the thing. And, and I don't blame him one bit for leaving, but I, I was just really surprised at the lack of effort. And as you mentioned, though, the coaching is lackluster. And, you know, uh, the team follows your leadership, right? And that just goes to show you how, how lackluster Petrino is. And that really surprised me. I, I, we mentioned this before. We haven't seen him yeah. on fire on the sidelines for the most part this yeah. year, things like that. No. You know, so it's, it's kind of out I'm of whack. Just, and I'm just waiting, and I'm just waiting, and I might be the one to do it. You know, Petrino, I, I don't think he believes in himself, and his players certainly don't believe in him. And here's the That's same true. goofball that was saying they thought they could beat Alabama. Oh, and Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, he was yeah. saying at the beginning of the year how great they were, we can, you know. We can beat Alabama. Yep. It's like, well, obviously, 
you can't <laughs> to play with effort, and and you're so and he's he's lost his touch so much that Bobby yeah. Petrino at one time thought this team could beat Alabama. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. Like, I, want, I do wonder. I think, our, I think our coach. I think our coach has had a break with reality. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do wonder who's going to step up with fourteen million dollars. Because they're going to have to get rid of him. They can't afford to buy him out. And it's going to cost $14 million to get rid of him. And then it's going to cost at least 5 or $6 million to bring anybody in here, including Jeff Brom. So it'll be interesting to see if they have a donor step up and pay that for him. We'll find out soon enough. But there was another oh, sports uh, store. Oh, I know. I don't think they will either. You know, Papa John Snyder probably would have until they did what they did to him. Um, <laughs> but there is another store. Oh, absolutely. They're regretting that now because they ain't got no money. But there was another sports uh, thing going on this weekend called the Breeders' Cup. Churchill Downs uh, sponsored the Breeders' Cup this year. And, uh, you know, the Breeders' Cup is, to me, it's not really that great a day. You're supposed to be watching the best horses, all that crap. But typically, it's not a good day for betters, and the races are pretty predictable. You know, so I didn't, I didn't really see too much um, on the Breeders' Cup over the weekend to really get excited about, except for one thing. Saturday night at Churchill Downs, 24-year-old man, the Breeders' Cup, was able was able to mount a horse and ride it out towards the track. He actually got it out of the tunnel to the entrance of Churchill Downs before he was caught by police. He was already in the tunnel, almost on the track. I'm trying to figure out for the life of me how something like that happens. Um, you know, this is a Breeders' Cup. It should, it should be a big deal. Uh, security and everything else. And some 24-year-old a drunk was able to get into the horses, jump on a horse, and actually get it out to the track entrance. <laughs> well, I read that story. I was like, please, there's got to be a videotape. It's going to be a recording of I mean, I'm I'm glad, you know, these are expensive horses. They're surprisingly fragile horses, you know, the way Philadelphia's are put together. I'm glad nobody got hurt. And I'm glad no horses were injured. That is that is still the guys and I hope he doesn't get in too awful much trouble. But that is an absolute that is that he he is an instant legend amongst partiers at Churchill Down. That is that is you know I think nobody got hurt, and we're, we're fortunate. Right. He could have very well injured the horse. You know, a horse probably could have thought, oh, he, you know, cause he's not a professional jockey, and he's probably weighed a right. lot more than what the horses were used to. And he's probably more than anything the horses are used to going through the tunnel. But that is that is just, I'm sorry if anybody gets offended. To me, I read that and thought that is an epic. Epic. This oh, guy absolutely. is a legend. He is a legend <laughs> amongst partners. It's like, you know, that is just wow. I mean, you know, oh, I yeah. People, I see people well, on social media and said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we're inviting him to the next party. <laughs> right, right, right. He's not going to get in too much trouble. I mean, he's just charged with public intoxication and disorderly conduct. <laughs> There's a couple of misdemeanors. He'll have to pay a fine probably, and that's going to be about it. But, you know, it's just really fascinating that it was, it was able to happen. 
But this guy, Michael Wells Rody is his name out of Georgetown. This guy is really going to have a hell of a drunk story to pass down through the years. That's for damn sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, I could top it. I went to Turtle Down yeah. the Breeders. Yeah, you know. Yep. So I because nobody is going to believe you later in life. That's it. You know, I don't even drink anymore, and uh, I think that's a guy I'd want to drink with. I'll be honest with you. That that had to be. He's going to have a hell of a story. Uh, he really is. Yep. In the meantime, we, this is a political show. We've got to get to the political end of it. I want to touch on one story before we start going through some of these races. Um, but Greg Fisher put out an advertisement, a TV ad, um, bragging about himself and how he's focusing on growing small business and everything else. And it just so happens in the TV ad that he put out, he was found laughing and smiling in a barbershop in the West End with a guy by the name of Eric Hansberry, who was arrested in August uh, for drug trafficking uh, and being a convicted felon in possession of a handgun. Now, I don't know who Greg Fisher's staff is. I really, really don't. But allowing this TV ad to air has to be the greatest thing in history for a politician because it just proves everything we've been saying about what a fucking moron this guy is. He puts out a TV ad that includes him with a convicted felon who is now in jail, who is charged of, uh, of uh, trafficking in opiates, possessing drug paraphernalia, receiving stolen property, a convicted felon in possession of a handgun. He had three of them. They had drugs everywhere at his shop and at his home. Um, you know... Do his people do anything other than just trying to play this fluff stuff? I mean, that's basic investigation one on one. Yeah, well, they obviously they don't they don't keep up with the vacant homes. They don't keep up. I guess to some degree they keep they do keep up with uh, the police molesting kids because that's the only way you can cover something up like that. So so com so completely. But but beyond that, yeah, that's just that's just one. I mean, you know, you hear Mayor Fisher say, oh, he he works with the police and all that like. You know, it's once again, it's funny that the mayor he has six hundred thousand people. He picked right. a drug dealer, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's and then and had the guy made a made an offense earlier in life and and straightened himself out, it wouldn't be a problem. But that's that's not where we're at with this. This is this is somebody who is probably well, the mayor sitting there doing it is actively doing. You know, dealing drugs and read into what you want to children, to you know, to to to, to addicts. He's 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 part of the problem, and he's got guns. So obviously, there's some inclination towards violence. So yeah, well, you know, at some point, somebody needs to just say, okay, well, you know, we're going to this barber shop. Just you know, get your cell phone. Just look it up real quick, or. Or maybe even, right. you know, just go up to the guy and say, hey, you, just, just off the top before we make a commercial with you and the mayor. You, is there anything we should know about? <laughs> you you know, know. It, it's stuff like this. Oh, it's stuff like oh, this. That if you, right, if you that just, went, it, got, it got right past them. Oh, that's exactly it. I mean, it's things like this. This is why you need to vote for Angela Lee, because of stupidity like this. And, you know, we already know that Greg Fisher has lied and got caught lying. And involved in a cover-up involving the LMPD explorers, the pedophile crap that went on with a couple of his cops. Well, that's not the only time this has happened. Uh, there's a story out today at WDRB. Give these guys credit. They put a story out. Uh, a woman by the name of Samantha Killery. Uh, Samantha Killery 
is the daughter of a former Louisville Metro Police Lieutenant uh, named Sean Jackman, who was just sentenced to jail for 15 years, although he'll be out in two. Um, but anyway, her dad was raping the shit out of her. Raped her. When she was a, when she would just became a teenager from 2001 to 2006, she's, uh, I think, 27 now. Um, but, you know, so we're looking at all this stuff. So he finally gets caught. Then we find out in 2015, she goes to LMPD. She goes to Greg Fisher, Steve Conrad, everybody, and it all gets covered up. They said to keep it quiet. Nobody's going to know about this. Shut it up. Now, this was when she was uh, 24 years old, just three years ago. She, As an adult, she decided to go ahead and push it. And that's how they got Sean Jackman. But the city, the LMPD, um, you know, there was a woman on LMPD that was dating Jackman or screwing Jackman one at a time that knew about this and saw this, had her in a room with them while they were naked. All this other stuff has gone on. And it's like, you got to be kidding me. So this is a pattern of behavior by this mayor. And you kind of got to wonder, how deep does this sexual abuse cover-up stuff go with Greg Fisher, Chief Conrad, and the entire city of Louisville, which would include Michael Connell, the county attorney. Unfortunately, he's not having, he didn't have anybody running against him this time, which I think is pathetic. But Michael Connell has done nothing about it. The county attorney's office has done nothing about it. LMPD did nothing about it. Greg Fisher and his office did nothing about it. She was told to shut up. It's been covered up from the word go. So this isn't just about the LMPD Explore program, folks. No. This is a pattern of behavior in other areas. This is why we have to get rid of this scumbag. He needs to be put in jail himself for the cover-up. Go ahead. Well, I don't know that Fisher's part of the cover-up. He could be. He could just be, you know, ignorant of it, which is entirely possible. But I think what it's what it's more representative of, and, and of course, and then I think there was the Conliff thing, come out since that uh, Mike Conliffe was his uh, former county attorney or whatever. His, his son was molesting people, mm-hmm. molested some Yeah, that's the other one I was They've going to. So I, th- I, think, I, think I think what people need to read into this, and, and I don't, you know, I lean more Republican than, than Democrat, but I think what you've got here is a, is a city, uh, just you know, I'm a Catholic too, guys, you know, and it's it's kind of like the Catholic Church. They 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 have the power structure that has been in there. It's all Democrats all the time. County attorneys, uh, mayors, police chief. It's Democrat all the way through, and they protect their own. It, I don't know who's culpable. I don't know if the mayor knew or didn't know. But the fact of the matter is, everything from the county attorneys to the to the police chiefs and the police administration to the mayors who do a lot of the appointing of, of boards and everything else from the, from the you know, the, everything from the vacant home recovery stuff. and You name it, it's Democrat throughout. And as well, much is. as I don't believe, much as I don't, I don't like to be a partisan, in the case of Louisville, and it's not going to happen, but in the case of Louisville, if nothing else, you need to run the Democrats out. In total, you know, we almost got him in state government, except he got Stumbo still, or not Stumbo, but she got Baby Bashir still screwing things up as the AG and, you know, not prosecuting and pursuing uh, yeah. past transgressions of Democrats, but he'll go after all things Republican. But it needs, it needs a top to bottom house cleaning. And I'm not saying the Republicans are putting up the greatest candidates going, and they don't have anybody for the county attorney. At some point, you just got you know you just got to hit the reset button, 
kind of like a computer. It's kind of flitzing around on you and not powering up or something. Sometimes you just kind of hit the on-off button and hope for the best. But I think that's where we are with our city government now. A PVA, county attorney, uh, mayor, police chief, you name it. It's, I don't know, and, and it could be worse if we put Republicans in and they appointed them and never, never say it's always, you know, no guarantee it's going to be better. But one thing's for sure is it, it needs a reset. It needs new new people to get in there in the positions of power and get in quickly and just do it differently and not not go in because the biggest problem for me is, is incompetence. For me, that's a given. Everybody's gonna you know, there's gonna be a whole bunch of incompetent people in government. That's just it just seems like we never fail to have that. But corruption, that's a different ball game. And and it's when it's a systemic corruption where everybody seems to protect everybody else. Everybody had plays this mafioso code of silence thing going on. Right. Everybody's got everybody's back. That, you know, I don't care if the city's doing well economically or not, uh, whatever. We can't have that. We can't have that. When you got PVAs using, using law enforcement type software to look, look up uh, individuals and, and private citizens when you've got the, the police chief, the mayor, and and the command staff in certain levels covering up child molestation. When you got county attorneys covering up their own, uh, you know, like like Thomas' son, you got them just covering it up. So yeah, just go away. You know, they don't have to worry about prosecution. There's a potential for abuse, especially just for the average Joe, you, me, anybody out there with kids or or anything. You've got no chance. There is, there is a system that is built to protect them, which by default takes advantage and puts you and makes you vulnerable. And that's that cannot exist. Well, that's true. And, you know, that's the thing. For those of you who don't know, Mike Conliffe, and, and I can't imagine nobody doesn't know who Mike Conliffe is or lives here, but Mike Conliffe was Jefferson County attorney from 1986 to 1998. His son, Drew, was accused of, uh, you know, pedophilia involving a then 15-year-old kid, Eric Flynn. All right. Um, over, the, over the years, Mike Conliffe has helped his son, Drew, make at least $73,000 worth of payments to Eric Flynn to try to hush this up. Uh, Flynn finally decided as an adult, enough's enough. He's not going to keep his mouth shut anymore. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. You know. Um, but the thing is, you know, it's just amazing to me that this kind of stuff continues to go on. You know, you know the current county attorney, Michael Connell, he's got some problems of his own. You know, and it seems to be a pattern of behavior. And, you know, I often refer to the Democratic Party here in Louisville. Not to, not all of the Democratic Party, but there are segments. But right here in Louisville, I, I also I always refer to the Democratic Party as the Democratic Mafia. And, you know, as you just so eloquently pointed out, that pretty much is what it is. I mean, you pointed it out with your with, with your with your rhetoric, right? You were talking about how everyone I've seen to cover yeah. up everything else, and since those Democrats have the power, and they're the ones doing the cover up, it is like a mafia, and that's the problem. Victims can't be helped. Victims can't get any justice if they're if they're taken advantage of or something's done illegally by a Democrat here in this town that has connections. It's just that simple. So Eric Flynn's life mm. is screwed up. Samantha Killer's life is screwed up. Explored kids' lives are screwed up because of sexual abuse and cover-up. And you said that, you know, Greg Fisher might just be dumb about all of this. That's not true, and here's why. 
Because Greg Fisher, when, the, when the, everything came out about the LMPD Explorers, said publicly that he didn't know anything about it. That, you know, he had, had no idea this was going on. But yet, under testimony, he admitted that he was briefed on all of that. All right? He admitted that he was briefed on all of that by his deputy mayor. So he was aware of what was going on, even though publicly he said he didn't know. Under oath and testimony, he admitted that he did know. So, the, so him trying to act dumb in this situation would, would not matter to me in the least, because I know he's a habitual liar when it comes to that. He's already proven it. So when we look at all of this, though, this is why it's time to clean house. And Angela Leet, truthfully, is the only one who has a chance of beating Greg Fisher. Uh, whether she can or not remains to be seen. We'll know tomorrow. And we'll talk about that race next. But, you know, we do need to start looking at this. We need to start looking at the pattern of behavior. We need to start looking at the reality. This is stuff you and I have talked about for many, many years, you know, on this program and beyond. And, you know, most people pay attention. Most people are learning. Most people are listening. Um, but I do think for the first time uh, in all the years we've been doing this, there actually is some public discourse, and the Democrats are getting sick and tired and frustrated. Um, you know, the Democratic electorate is getting sick and tired and frustrated of this party. This isn't a real party anymore. This is a mafia movement. This is a, a, a you know, this is a, an indoctrination deal. Um, you know, and I think the Democratic Party here in Louisville is finally waking up. So we're going to find out tomorrow. Um, but I, I think it's right assessment. Most of the people I talk to are disgusted by all of this, and, and I think they're going to continue to be. So we'll see. In the meantime, we do have a lot of races tomorrow. I do want to touch on the first one, obviously, which is the mayor's race. Um, you know, you've got Angela Lee running as a Republican, Greg Fisher as a Democrat, and you got all these damn independents. All of them are nut jobs. Christina Man. You know, he, he's probably the best of the independents, uh, you know, but I don't think Chris is in the right frame of mind right now to do good as a mayor. I think I think he's got a single issue focus right now, um, you know, and I'm sorry to say that. Chris is a good friend of mine. He might not be after this show, but, you know, that's his choice. But um, you've got some independents to choose from. There's about eight of them, seven or eight of them. I don't think any of them are worth putting a vote on, to be honest with you. Uh, Thieneman will have some backers. His backers will come from Angela Leet. Uh, the other six or seven are communist, socialist, progressive candidates, uh, the typical farthest part of the left wing you can possibly imagine. Those votes should come from Greg Fisher, and we'll see if there are enough votes to make the difference. But I'm going with Angela Elite. That's who I'm voting for. However, I think it's an uphill battle against Greg Fisher. Go ahead, Ed. Yeah, I will be voting for Angela Elite because, like I say, we, we probably more than others are aware you know, but I, I just I think the the, uh, the structure and God knows the state ticket voting in Louisville works in favor of the Democrats. I just I think she's going to give him a good run for his money, but I do think he'll end up he'll end up pulling away. I think I think he'll win, not comfortably, but I think I think he'll win. I think it's going to be Fisher, unfortunately. But you know, even at that, even if it's Fisher, it's like. Um, there's a lot of problems, and although I think Lee is showing a lot of courage and stuff and stepping up and, and wanting to clean things up, there's still a lot of crisis management going on in this city right now. And it, part of me thinks, you know what, Fisher deserves it. it. It's his mess, and it ain't going away, and it's one one corruption, police corruption thing after another. So, so uh, 
let's let's see what you got. You know, the drugs, the drug trade, uh, everything seems to be out of control. You know, it's spinning. Certain bad things are, are spinning out of control. Good things are happening too, but that's just a broader economic thing. So, well, I think Fisher's going to win. I think Fisher's going to win. I think in a couple of years he's probably going to regret having won. <laughs> well, if he wins, I look forward to being the one to remove him from office because he will be removed from office. He's not going to finish his last term. He's going to be brought up on some criminal charges, and they're going to stick. I promise please, you that. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Please do. <laughs> I promise you that. There's a lot going on behind <laughs> the scenes yeah. nobody's aware of, but I promise you that. But I'm voting for Lee. I think it's going to be close. At least I hope it's close. Um, I think it could literally be considered a toss-up at some point. Um, but I do know it's an uphill battle because you're going against the Democratic Mafia, so that's who I'm going with. Let's go with uh, let's go to the phones real quick. Paul's calling in. Paul, you're on the air. Don't you malign Greg Fisher. My goodness, look at all the things he's done for Louisville. Well, start. I got a lot of races had, to he, go through. He he, he, had a, <laughs> he established an all-time record for homicides. What are you talking about? He's a record holder. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, I know. He he screwed up Louisville. He screwed up Louisville worse than Jerry Amerson did, and I didn't think that was possible. Uh, I mean, I you know, I'm with you there. On a, on a per capita basis, you know, we are on par with Chicago. How many Louisville say that? Have we, we been able to hang with a major city of Chicago on anything? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we can get to somebody on something. Go ahead, Paul. Uh, listen, just a quick reminder to you and your listeners. Um, your uh, your comments about the independents basically are, are there to, to clog things up. Well, yeah, they, they kind of are because of Kentucky's uh, ballot access and the way Kentucky's voter system works. The Republicans and Democrats have a clear advantage in that their voters, because all they have really have to do is check one box. So... Yeah. The, the straight party balloting is an absolute uh, it's an absolute deterrent to good people running because as independents because they can't win under this it's a rigged system it's rigged oh. and the beneficiaries are the Democrats and the Republicans so uh, yeah. just keep that in mind. And, 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 and someday like, someday somebody needs to win a lottery and just fund a lawyer because that is. You know, in the electoral system, I think it should be argued that you're supposed to vote for the candidate, not the party. So Thank you. There should, be, Thank there, you. There, should be, there should be no no space on a ballot to vote for a party. I agree. Oh, absolutely, I agree. I agree, Ed. Yeah. For $5 million, for $5 million, I, for $5 million, I can get that thing turned over. All right, thanks, Paul. You think I'm lying? I don't have to hire a lawyer. I just got to hire all the congressmen just go in there and offer them ten, twenty thousand dollars a piece of clip, and they'll do it. It's all about them, little bastards. Um, but, I mean, it's the truth. You know that, and I know that. This is the way it works in Kentucky. You don't have to buy lawyers. You just got to buy politicians. Um, you know, another race that I'm really interested in watching tomorrow that I think is that I think is going to be a good one. At least I hope it is. And uh, that's the PVA. You mentioned the PVA earlier. How corrupt it is, especially under Colleen Younger and stuff. But you know, it's been corrupt under Tony Lindauer for years. They've done some uh, things that have, you know, are illegal. I mean, the assessments are illegal and things like that. Tony Lindauer should be in jail. Uh, you know, who knows? Maybe he's singing like a canary to the feds because I know they're looking at him. But, you know, but Colleen Younger has been basically running the PVA this year. 
all this all this calendar year because Tony Lindauer was barred from the building because of sexual harassment charges. So here you have a, uh, a sitting PVA who can't do his job, and they install, and I do mean install, that's what the Democrats do, they install Colleen Younger to take over for him and continue business as usual. We now know that Colleen Younger has done a lot of illegal stuff as PVA, including trying to get information on her opponent, John May, using the system under somebody else's name. I mean, that's really ballsy. You know, and different things, trying to use things against him in this race. You know, John May is a Republican candidate. John May has a resume that you want as a PVA. He is a real in-the-field property valuation administrator. He has, he does, you know, home, home, home appraisals and everything else. His whole career has been in real estate. He knows everything about that place backwards and forwards. He also was uh, doing PVA uh, for the state at one time. He has the credentials, he has the knowledge, and more importantly, he has the ethics and the morals. And uh, so I'm going with John May tomorrow, and I actually think he has a great chance to beat Colleen Younger. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I, I think, um, you know, John May has really done a good, he's done as good a job as any of getting, getting it out there, his, his, his name recognition. Now, and I'm going to be voting for him because we know Shelly May, and I, I say I, I believe in the. Even if I didn't know the May family, I would probably vote for him because I am a big advocate of the reset, hitting the reset button every once in a while. Just you know, you just Democrats need a timeout from a lot of these offices. Uh, you know, just. But I, this is going to sound funny. Uh, it's politics and it's marketing, and I'm going to tell you what. Uh, you couldn't tell me the Colleen Younger stuff, but <laughs> and like I say, I don't want to trivialize it, but the John May for PVA commercials that are running are fantastic. The the alliteration, the I mean, it is it, it they you just remember the name, you know. And I think unfortunately, right. I think a lot of voters will go with that, but I mean, the John May for PVA. That sticks with you, and I think he's done a really good. You know, I think most people don't really care about the PVA. They don't realize the games that can be played there. Uh, they don't realize about the corruption as as it existed under Lynn Bauer, and and now the younger using the software to to spy on people. But I, so much of it comes down to name recognition, and I think he has he has gotten it out there. He has worked it the right way. And I don't think the name John May for PVA hurts his chances one bit. So I think May, honestly, you know, the straight ticket type vote, the Democrat machine vote, is going to keep right. Younger in it. And that's the only thing that's going to keep her in it. I think May is going to take her out pretty comfortably. I think he's going to win it pretty comfortably. I mean, not, you know, in Louisville, pretty comfortably might be 4%, you know, for a right. Republican. But I think wow. John May. I think John May wins that race with uh, no threat of a recount or anything going on. I think I think he does it pretty cleanly. Well, I hope you're right. I uh, I think John May is going to win it. Um, you know, if he doesn't, it will be because of that state part, uh, straight party ticket bull yeah. crap. Um, you know, but there are there are some other races out here too. Commonwealth's attorney, of course, Tom Wine is running unopposed. County attorney Michael Connell running unopposed. That's the travesty of the whole thing. In a county clerk's race, and I, I don't normally mention this race, but we're going to tonight. In a county clerk's race, you got Bobby Holesclaw, who I think has done a phenomenal job 
as the Jefferson yep. County clerk. I mean, it's incredible what has happened in that place, the improvements in technology and everything else since she's been there. And she's running against this wannabe um, Democrat partisan hack, Michael Bowman. Now I know Michael Bowman. He actually ran in a Metro Council race back when I ran against Bob Henderson. And it, this, this kid is nothing but a wannabe. He doesn't accomplish anything. He's not accomplished in anything. He really doesn't have a clue about anything, but I guess we saw an open spot where he could throw his name on a ballot, so he decided to run for this office. Don't waste your vote on that kid. Seriously. Even if he won, no. you would never be able to go to the county clerk's office because it would be that screwed up in the first month. It's, he's that bad. But I'm going Bobby Holesclaw there. Um, yeah, I'm going to say absolutely. And if, you're, and if you're over 40 years old, you remember – sorry, pardon my – Pardon my language, but you remember what a rude-ass clusterfuck the clerk's office used to be. Oh, absolutely. And, and it is, it is, and I'm just going to say this under Bobby Holesclaw. I thought she was a goofball when she tried to run for governor. <laughs> but her, the way she has run that office, they are the nicest, and that place, they are, they are absolutely courteous. Uh, does a great job, you know. If you want, if you're into that thing, does a great job in in hiring women and minorities. I've noticed that every time I go. But absolutely, on that, it's the the professionalism. They are so fast and they are so courteous and they are. It runs so well. I mean, I had to go get a title the other day to transfer a vehicle. I literally was confident enough. I said, "Well, you know what? It's middle of the month. I'm just going to drive." Literally, I go to have my favorite branch. I said, let me drive to the branch, and uh, I get it transferred. I'll be back. I'll just use my half hour for lunch to do it. And I did it. I mean, you hear people talk about the DMV and how how, oh, much, yeah. how much people resent it. I'm like, I look at people with confidence. and says, I'm going to be. I'm just going to use my lunch break. I'm going to go get it taken care of, and I'll be back. Mm-hmm. I, I made it. I made it. So well, that's Bobby runs that runs that office so well. If you vote against Bobby Holesclaw, just don't move to another county and kiss my ass. You know, and don't let the out. If, if if you think it can be better, please go to another county and see what see. You know, and some of the counties might be pretty good. Get your ass on out of here. And if you don't appreciate the job Bobby Holesclaw done, you vote against her. Uh, don't tell me about it. You know, I, I can't give a better endorsement than that. I agree. I mean, I remember when you'd go in there the second the place opened, you were still oh. there eight hours. Tony you were Miller, still there eight yeah. hours. Tony oh, Miller God. My God. Tony Miller was worthless. And if, Tony and if, Miller was and if you got ag- Oh, my God. And if you got aggravated, the women were like, you better watch your mouth. And I mean, I know a person <laughs> who was like, how long am I going to be here? And he just raised his voice. They called the police in. On this person. Yep. Oh yeah, it was it was. Oh, it's like I said, if you're over 40 years old, you remember what it used to be like. You know what it's like now. Vote for Bobby Holesclaw. One sec. One sec. What? That's been more. Than oh a man, I apologize. Yeah, I apologize. I uh, went into a coughing fit real quick. Um, no, I'm I apologize. Sorry. Um. Well, yeah, better, so actually muted my mic. That well, that's why I muted my mic, you know. I, it makes a big noise. But anyway, you're absolutely right. And, of course, that's a prime example of what happens when you take a chance. Because up to Tony Miller, Democrats had always ran the county clerk's office. And once we put Bobby Holstein, who's Republican, look at the difference. You need to uh, take a drink of water? 
Yep, working on that now, man. We're getting better. I, uh, man, I apologize. <laughs> that happens sometimes. But, um, you know, so we are seeing a big change in that office as well. Uh, oh, man, let's go to the phones. McAdam, you're on the air. I wanted to say something about the judicial races. They're on the back of the ballot tomorrow. It's going to well, be a pretty long about, ballot. What do, you know about the, what do you know about the judicial races? <laughs> well, I know most of the people that are running, and uh, <laughs> there, there's there's several there are several candidates that are running unopposed, <clears throat> and so it's if they're running unopposed, you've got a you've got the uh, ability to write in a name, but write in candidates don't have much of a chance. The ones that are running unopposed are all pretty good judges, and so it doesn't it doesn't matter. All they need is one vote to win. But in the contested races, uh, there's some that I would recommend uh, that you pay attention to. In the Division Two of Circuit Court, uh, Daryl Lavery is the incumbent judge. Now he's been, he was appointed by the governor, and so this is right. his first time to run for for retention. He's not being reelected, and uh, he's running against Mike O'Connell's daughter Annie, Annie uh, O'Connell. And uh, I don't know anything about her other than she comes from uh, from a bad family. <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have tried a couple of cases in uh, Judge Lavery's court, and I have found mm-hmm. him to be uh, uh, a very uh, knowledgeable and uh, good temperament and uh, uh, very stern. You know, he's not a he's not a pushover kind of kind of judge, but uh, he's done a good job so far in circuit court, and uh, it would be my recommendation that you that you vote to keep him in there. Then in Division Four of Family Court, uh, there's an incumbent, Lauren Ogden, uh, Lauren Adams Ogden, and she's right. been there for one term, and she has done just a fantastic jo- job. She's very compassionate. She's uh, she's good in family court. She's running against uh, uh, Laurie Goodwin, who's uh, I don't know her. She hasn't been a judge before, and uh, so I think you know if you got a judge that's doing a good job, you ought to keep them if possible. Same thing for family court division ten. Uh, Derwin Webb is the family court judge there. I've appeared before him, and he's uh, he's a very good judge. Uh, he's running against uh, El, uh, Emily Jennings. Yep. Yeah, uh, I, I really don't know her. Uh, I will totally disagree it, with you on that race, but go ahead. Oh, okay. Then Jefferson County uh, District Court Division Three, Tracy Davis is running against Christina Garvey. That's an open slot. Neither one of them have been judges before. Uh, I know Christina's uh, uh, father, who is a retired judge, and I knew her grandfather, Tom Garvey, who was a judge uh, when I first started practicing law. And, uh, you know, uh, if there's anything to a judicial dynasty, if she's as good as her father and her her grandfather was, I think Christina would make a heck of a judge. Anyway, I, I think she deserves a shot at it. Uh, in the fourth division, there's an incumbent, Todd Hollenbach the fourth, and Todd has done just a fantastic job. He is—he's uh, one of the better judges there. He's running against Julie Kalin. Julie Kalin has uh, a lot of support from, uh, like, citizens for better judges and stuff like that. Uh, but I—I I don't see any reason to remove Todd Hollenbach. He has done just a, a wonderful job. Same thing for Sean Delahanty in Division Six. I know that. Delahanty's gotten a lot of heat for for putting people in home incarceration instead of posting, uh, make them post a high bond. 
but but he is following the law. He's been there for almost 20 years now, and uh, he comes from a judicial family. His uh, wife used to be a judge. His brother is a retired judge, and his father is deceased, uh, was a judge uh, for years and years, and so... Uh, you know, it's kind of the family business doing a judging, but uh, Sean Delahanty is an absolute pleasure to try a case in front of. Uh, he's uh, he's uh, uh, very friendly, compassionate. He's uh, uh, I can't say his praises enough. He he treats the the litigants and their attorneys uh, with respect and dignity. Some of the judges don't really do that, and uh, so those would be my recommendations: Lavery, uh, Lauren Adam Sogden. Derwin Webb, uh, Christina Garvey, Todd Hollenbach, and Sean Delahanty. Uh, and then one other thing, and that's Marcy's Law. Uh, I'm not sure that there's a, there's a court order telling them not to count the votes on that because it's a, it's a flawed uh, article to, to amend right. the Constitution. Uh, it's always right. a bad idea to amend the Constitution unless it's something you really, really need to, to straighten out. Marcy's law pretends to give uh, victims more right, but rights, but what it does is it really screws up the system, and and it it can create some some unforeseen things like, uh, you know, you shoot somebody in self-defense, and then that person goes and claims to be a victim, and he can appear before the grand jury and have you indicted, and you don't necessarily have to be there. And uh, I don't know any lawyers that are supporting the the Marcy's law thing. I think it was a an ill-conceived, poorly drafted uh, uh, attempt to amend the Constitution, and uh, I hope it fails. I think it I think it will. There's been a lot of adverse publicity about it, but anyway, that's my two cents from the from the legal aspect. Uh, I, I tend to agree with <laughs> with your analysis of the other races, as you know. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, um, I mean, I, you know, my my. I have a I have kind of a of a, a personal feeling for Chris Thiedemann. I would like to vote for him because he's a friend, just like he's a friend of yours. But I think it would be a wasted vote. I I think the the only person to vote for to uh, is Angela Elite, and and uh, I don't know if she's going to make it or not. I mean, it's an uphill battle against. Uh, I mean, I don't know what I don't know what uh, Mayor Fisher has to do to get the voters to, to kick him out of office. I mean, he's lied. He's covered up sex, sexual misconduct. He's, he's, uh, he just announced $170 million that they're going to spend for more bike lanes. I mean, everything he right. touches turns to crap. And, you right. know, there's dead bodies in the street. There's twice as many dead bodies in the street uh, right. every year as there was when he was first elected. So I can't think of any reason to, to reelect uh I mean, he was a disappointment. I, I I voted for him and supported him the first time he ran, uh, and he just has been uh, he's been a failure. And to give him a third term, I think is just uh, well, I think it's insanity. Uh, but anyway, that's that's my two cents. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, we'll get into judge races real quick, I guess, since he brought him up. Um, but you know, as far as um, family court. Um, 30th and 4th, you know, it's Lori Goodman facing off against Lauren Adams Ogden. And I actually agree with his assessment. I like Lauren Adams Ogden. I yeah. think she'll win. Uh, she, she, she will be a great judge. Stay there. Um, but then you get into the other race in, in family court. Emily Maria DeGenis versus Derwin Webb. I cannot in good conscience 
recommend Derwin Webb for anything other than a basketball player. But that's really about all he knows. Uh, to me, to me, he's dumb as rocks. I don't think he's a good judge. I don't think he has the the knowledge of the legal system itself to be in a position he's in. I don't think he should have been a lawyer. I swear I think he paid somebody to take the bar exam for him. But I think he's too stupid to pass it. Now, that sounds harsh. I get it. But that's the way it is. I'm going to go with the Dejanis. Um, I would hope that everybody else would because Derwin Webb just needs to be gone. He is not going to be good in family court. He doesn't need to be there on the bench anywhere. Um, so that's my on those two family court races. Go ahead, and then we'll switch over to the other ones. Well, I think I'm going to have to go with McAdam. I mean, at some point, the, the law, I've met Derwin Webb numerous times, and sometimes, and I've listened to him in numerous interviews, you know, and it's family court, and I think, honestly, I, I would I don't know that I'd want him in an appellate court position or, 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 or a circuit court, but uh but in family court, I think he's got. I just really think he's got the right position and in the disposition. And I think that an understanding of the law is, is great. But I think family court is is a more is a more human thing that I think Derwin Webb is 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 well suited for. So beyond that, yeah, I, I agree with all of them, and I'm going to go with. I'm actually going to go with all of the Adams picks, which is. <laughs> Damn, man, you I got more guts than I do. <laughs> you got more guts than I do. I know McAdam well. Um, that is frightening. Yeah. It's like, damn. Well, how about that, McAdam? You want to insert one of the shirts up for me, man? You got nothing. You got nothing. All right, like, get on to the um, other races. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's get on to the other races for district judge races. Uh, you know, you've got a contested race, as Mr. McAdam pointed out, between Tracy Davis and Christina Garvey. Um, I'm going with Christina Garvey. There's nothing about Tracy Davis that, that I like as a judge. Um, you know, her history and everything else, she became a teenage pregnant, went to law school and everything else while her mommy was raising her kid and all this other stuff. She plays this great she plays this great success story publicly, but she's never succeeded in anything. I would rather see her as an attorney for a few years and, and actually doing something with it before I'd ever trust her on the bench. To me, she looks like the typical liberal, you know, it's everybody else's fault kind of excuse because she had everybody doing it for her. That's what it appears to me. Take it for what you will. I'm going to go with Christina Garvey. It is an open seat, so I think that's going to be a good race. Um, as far as Hollenbach and Julie Kalin is concerned, McAdam goes way back with the Hollenbachs. I get it. You've been friends with her family for years and years and years. I get the loyalty, but Hollenbach to me is just ridiculous. I can't stand a Hollenbach name. I can't stand anybody in that family. I think they're a big waste of time and a waste of breath. I'm going to go with Julie Kalin. Wow. I think Todd Hollenbach is nothing more than a partisan hack that will do what he's paid to do, and that's exactly what I believe, even as a judge. And uh, so I'm going to go with Julie Kalin. I think she's the better choice. I, I think she'll be sure. a lot more open. I was going to say, I'm actually going to go with Hollenbach. I have had uh, one dealing with him in the legal profession and found him, you know, and, you know, man, I don't mess with lawyers too awful much unless I, you know, unless it's a business-related contract stuff. I, I don't get in trouble that often. But uh, I've, I've had some dealings with Hollenbach. It's been a few years back. But it was, uh, you know, McAdam seems to like him in court. But I know in the dealings that I had with the Hollenbach, with, with Hollenbach, Fantastic, fantastic! It was just—it was a really easy, really, really 
professional, never, you know, never contested kind of thing. It really, it really sewn up nicely. So I'm going to go with Hollenbach. I've had a good experience with him for sure. Oh, fair enough. Like I said, I'm going to vote for Canada. I think Hollenbach's going to win going away. Don't get me wrong because of his name. But I don't want Canada to ride on a dynasty. That's just the problem now. Um, moving on to the uh, sixth division, Delahanty and Langford. Um, this is an interesting race. Typically, I would probably vote against the incumbent in this race. But I actually like Sean Delahanty. Um, he is taking some heat right now because he has given some people home incarceration versus going to jail and things like that. Um, but I think that that just shows Delahanty is, is, is learning some compassion. He's been on the bench for, what, 20 years now. So I think he's learning some compassion. At one time, that wouldn't have been Delahanty's style. And he's trying to, to work with the neighborhood, work with the community and things like that. Now, do I agree with the home incarceration, some of the people who put on home incarceration? No, not at all. But the reality is he, put, he puts them on home incarceration, they're going to go to jail for two or three days, and they're going to be released anyway because of overcrowding. So Delahanty, I think, yeah. is trying to do the right thing from the big picture, and that I can respect. And with a 20-year career in his particular case, uh, that's a proven career, he's got a lot of case files to look at. Um, you know, he has generally been pretty much right in most of the time. So I'm willing to stay with that instead of going with somebody I'm not familiar with in that position. Go ahead. Yeah, and I feel the same way. I mean, as, as much as, you know, and, and I am either – Nonviolent offenses, I'm totally okay with letting people out. Hell, I don't even think most of them should be prosecuted. But, but as we, as you were saying, the jails are overcrowded uh, for whatever number of reasons. They've <laughs> got a lot of bad people. But the fact is, if he, he has to, as Thomas said, he has to use it because that's what the law is set up for. You can't take everybody that's pissed, that's, that somebody else is pissed off at or feels wrong about and slam them in jail because – once you get so full, then the prisoners are going to sue. Or somebody's going to sue for overcrowding. The city's going to have to pay out the loan for it. And they're going to just basically, it's going to be like a glass full of water. You keep pouring water into it. You know, other criminals are just going to spill out. So he's, he's tried. Has he, hit it or, has, he, has he hit it out of the park every time, you know, and everyone and, and nobody's offended while on the home incarceration? No. But then again, who has? And but we've just got a problem. We've got an overcrowded jail, and he is abiding by the law in trying to not make it more overcrowded and have to release other people. So it's 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 it, there's no winning in that situation. And I'm going to go with that many chairs. Well, I agree. I agree. Uh, we'll roll through these next ones quick, because I know we're getting closer to your cutoff time. Uh, there is a race for, for Sheriff uh, John Aubrey, of course, Democrat, and Robert Jones, Jr., the Republican. Aubrey, I think, is going to win that going away. There's not really much to talk about there. Um, Metro Council races. Most of these are running unopposed. Again, that's a major problem for me. But District 1, uh, Jessica Green, running unopposed, Democrat. District 3, uh, Democratic Party, Keisha Dorsey. Unopposed. Fifth District, you've got a race. John Owen, um, the Republican, versus Donna Purvis, the Democrat. Folks, trust me, you want to go with John Owen, not because he's a Republican, but because you really got to worry about Donna Purvis. I'm not kidding you there. Um, one of the races you might be interested in, I guess, Ed, let's go real quick to that. Uh, let's see here. Well, let's go to the 13th. That's Vicki Welch's district. Uh, she's not running again. And you've got Republican Jennifer Alexander running against Democrat Mark Fox. 
Now, for the record, I believe Mark Fox will run away with this race uh, because he has been the chosen one to be installed, and I do mean installed in that district. Yep. yep. Um, Vicky Vicky went out publicly and got involved in the primary and endorsed Fox, told everybody that she wanted him to replace her regardless of who else ran. Uh, that, to me, is a major sign. There's a lot of people who think Mark Fox is just a sweet little guy. Yeah. There's nothing about Mark Fox I like because of that situation. Um, yeah, he, he agreed to be bought. So, yep, yeah. absolutely. So I think Mark Fox is going to win at going away, but I think it's a travesty of what the election cycle is supposed to be like because he was picked, chosen, bought, and paid for. And so I'm going to vote for Jennifer Alexander in that race, and I hope everybody else does too. Um, one race you probably want to talk about, I would guarantee you. Is Dan Johnson's old district, District 21. Uh, you've got Brett Schultz running as a Republican. Nicole George, she was the other chosen installee by the Democratic Party, uh, running as a Democrat. And then you've got an independent in that race, John Witt. Go. Um, well, I think George runs away with it. It's just the Democrat game is too strong in that area. And it's just, as Dan Johnson said, in spite of being a goofball, he could win and win and win that district in, in that part of town. So I just think the, the district is, I don't want to say it's its toxic, but it's toxically Democratic. <laughs> and I, just don't, I just don't think, I mean, even when the Career Journal endorsed, I mean, they could not endorse Dan John, even when they basically said, we're playing with somebody with some brains run in this, Dan Johnson still won. You know, so it's just yep. because it was a Democrat nominee. So I think, uh, yeah, George runs away with it just just because that district, for whatever reasons, uh, in spite of the embarrassment they've suffered at the hands of the Democrat Party, they keep going back. It's just, that was fascinating. I mean, it, it's, more, it's, more, it's more Democrat than the 19th is, which is where I live, as Republican. The 19th is so ridiculous. You know, it's, it's so heavily Republican. It's just not even right. funny. But. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, because I tell you, Nicole George was actually picked to install in Dan Johnson's seat before they started that whole impeachment process. Uh, that's exactly what it was. And, uh, you know, so then they started the impeachment process on Johnson to try to get her that job so that she could be the incumbent for the election to make it easier. Um, so this is nothing more than another insider job. It's, again, it's the Democratic Mafia at work. and something that we really, really need to work against, folks. Uh, one other quick race, and I'm going to go into overdrive here because I know you got to leave. But one other quick yeah. race that I'm really interested in uh, and that I don't normally get involved in, and that's the school board, District 6 primarily. District 6 school board has a race. Now, it's supposed to be a nonpartisan race for these school board districts. That's all a lie. There's no such thing as a nonpartisan race. All right, period, at the end. You're Democrat or Republican. Forget, the, forget the, the labels. And you find that out when you go to the events. But in this particular case, you've got four people, Wayman Eddings, Corey Shule, Nicole, I'll just call her Schnitzelfuck because I can't pronounce her last name anyway, and Angela Smith. Uh, the only one in that race, that, the, the one person in that race, I think, deserves the vote. Um, he is involved in the community. He is constantly trying to improve the community. He is always working on behalf of the community. Uh, this is a guy I strongly, you betcha, this is a guy I strongly believe in, and that's Wayman Edding. So when you vote in the school board, District 6, I'm not sure who's going to win that. I think it's going to be split pretty evenly, but I'm hoping that Wayman Eddings gets the edge. I would, uh, I would really love to see that. 
you know, so hopefully. Uh, yeah. that's, that's the board I'm going with. Um, so we'll see. But those are the races we're paying attention to, at least I'm paying attention to. Um, you know, we'll find out more going forward. And I'm going to go into overdrive, but I want to give you a chance for final thoughts real quick yeah. before I bring you to the caller. Final thoughts, I'm just going to say that I'm District 19. We're running this year. I think he, I don't know if the Democrats put anybody up, but this is the uh, seat that Julie Denton has vacated, <clears throat> thankfully. <laughs> They got a guy right in. I think I'm going to try with his name. It's like Pian Genie or something. Pian Genie or something. I've Uh read up on the guy. He this is going to be. You know, he's going to win because he's a Republican nominee and he's out here in the 19th. Which is, you know, this is this is this is like the uh, the the scary place the Democrats don't come. But. He's, he's going to run away with it, and I think this is one you're going to want to watch. Because this guy, from what I've seen of him, he is going to hit the Metro Council. He's not like most that you've seen before. He's, he's got a really good pedigree. As far as I know, this is his first crack at public service outside of the military and stuff. So uh, right. I'm going to watch him. He's, he's going to win. He's going to be my rep, and I'm pretty stoked about seeing what this guy comes up with. Well, let's see. You're talking about Anthony Piagetini. Um Piagetini, I don't know. I think that's right. I don't know how to pronounce you'll it. Read up on we'll just call him Tony yeah, P. Yeah. Tony P. But I I like I like him as well. I uh, looked into him as well and I kinda like him as well. So hopefully we'll get it. All right, man, I appreciate it. I'm gonna go to the All right, phone I'm and stick around. All right, buddy. Have a great one. All right. Paul, you're back on, and then we're going to bring in somebody you haven't heard from in a long time, Dale the Truth. Go ahead, Paul. Hi. Yeah, you mentioned that Kerry Shull guy. Uh, this this evening's mm-hmm. news actually reported that he and his campaign folks were posting <laughs> signs illegally on school property. And while I was yeah, out driving sure. around today, yeah, yeah I, I, I found that that's absolutely true. He's got signs all all over that district on school property. Right. So he, he right. does not respect the rules, uh, but he is one of the chosen ones, as you like to say. And Absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, I think he's probably going to get elected. And listen, over in Metro 13, I received a mailer today from the Jennifer Alexander camp. And I, I shared the picture with you a little earlier. This is another example of how the Jefferson County Republican Party out in the South End they, they deliberately, <laughs> yeah, they sent out this eight and a half by 11 uh, stiff card mm-hmm. mailer. Nice looking mm-hmm. thing. Uh, the message was good until you went down into the body of the message. And on the probably the most prominent visual element in this, this advertisement had a right. misspelled word. Now, I know that Jennifer Alexander didn't misspell that word. Because I know how they do what they do. Uh, an acquaintance of ours, Renee Davis, a few years ago, she had material printed up by the Jefferson County Republican Party, and it also contained misspelled words. So, and here we are the day before Election Day, and and this is going to leave a negative taste in people's mouth. It, it, it's oh, I don't think amazing. they're going to take it that serious. I don't think they're going to take that that serious. But I tell you what is amazing that in today's technology. You don't know the, the the simple thing called spell check to use to fix that shit for you. 
Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I mean, I use that, spell check this for was actually this was one of those uh, typos that should have been caught by a spell checker. So your point is well taken. Somebody, whoever prepared that, failed to use spell check. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I've never lost a spelling bee, but I've never won a typing contest. So that's why you use spell check. And uh, people just don't get it. I don't know why. Uh, hang on if you want, man. I'm going to bring in Dale sure. the Truth. Long yeah, time no hear, Dale. How are you? Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Dale the Truth. <laughs> For the first time in three years on the Blog Talk Radio Network, I heard Ed Springston struggling and having a coffin fit. Maybe he's been hitting the ganja too hard, and I thought I maybe should call in and uh, talk some politics tonight. <laughs> No, Ed Springs is, I'll tell you, Ed Springs is screwed up. He's sitting here on the show. A lot of people don't know it, but I've got diabetes. So, you know, mm-hmm. every now and then I feel that blood sugar drop and things like that. So I keep a little piece of chocolate on my desk just in case I go into that. So what I did was there was a chocolate-covered cherry here that my son gave me earlier. And I had it on the <laughs> desk, opened it up, and took a chocolate-covered cherry. And it just went down wrong. It's all it boiled down to. But I had to have the sugar, so I ate one real quick. And, uh, you know, it is what it is, man. So, <laughs> but I'm alive. I was calling earlier, but I, uh, I, usually, I usually work until 8 p.m. And I heard Martin was signing off. I said, well, Springs is going to overdrive. I'll call in. I think I want to say what I could hear while I was doing my uh, work duties. Uh, I, I think I, I, I'm in agreement with you on the judicial races. I heard you and McAdam and Martin talking about them. I, uh. Uh, I'll just tell you quickly, I'm in favor of Garvey and Hollenbach, and I'm also in favor of DeGenis, Ogden, and uh, then I don't know about the 22nd or 1st because Eileen O'Brien's up there. But anyway, I'm definitely in favor of Ogden and Garvey and Hollenbach, and I'm with you against Derwin Webb. That's good. Man, we agree on something. That's rare. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we agree on most of the judicial races. Like I said, I don't like Derwin Webb, and I, I think it would be good to – Kimmel out. Ogden, I think, is good. Garvey is good, and Hollenbeck. I mean, his, Go ahead. his whole platform, his whole platform, basically has been one thing. Uh, you know, and, and that thing is real simple. My name is Durham Webb. I play basketball yeah. for the University of Louisville. Vote for me because I played basketball for the University of Louisville. Did I mention I was a University of Louisville basketball player? That means I'm smart. Vote for me. Oh, by the way, I play basketball for Louisville. You know, that's his whole thing, and, and it's just totally ridiculous. I mean, he was wrong when he was there. He played like one minute a game when he was at UofL. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I definitely – I definitely think people in the sixth need to vote for Wayman Eddings. That's for certain. And uh, I don't know right. if you mentioned the third, where there's another competitive race. I would encourage people in the third school board race to vote for Jenny Benner. She's much better than the competition. I, you know, I actually agree with that. I didn't go through all the school board races because of the interest of time. Two competitive but races, I, but I agree those with only two that. contested. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. District 6 is one I'm really close to because of Wayman Eddings. I've actually worked with Wayman Eddings. Uh, I know his heart. I know okay. how he works. I know his, uh, you know, he, the, the purity of Wayman Eddings is incredible. Yep. I do, too. The purity of, it, of him is incredible. Um, you know, I actually went through your endorsement list. Um, you did? You know, I, I know that. <laughs> I missed that. Of course I do, man. Uh, I probably didn't hit like on the damn thing. I don't do that every time on Facebook. I sometimes on the air you did my endorsements? I didn't know that. No, 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 no. Uh, on your Facebook oh, okay. post. On your Facebook oh, gotcha, post. Okay. No, we didn't go gotcha. through. We didn't do it on the air, man. That would take me another hour. I ain't got that kind of time. I didn't, I didn't do as many uh, endorsements as I, as I normally do because there's just not as many people worth, uh, worth endorsing. Right. I, I damn near don't endorse any incumbents. Uh, the only two uh, 
Uh, the only two incumbents uh, in the state senate that I even endorsed are my friends Jimmy Higdon and Dan Syme. Uh, most of the people in the state quote-unquote leadership of the Republican Party are, are clueless, especially Kevin Bratcher in the House. Well, you know, I tell you, I, I, I would disagree with you on one, um, and I hate to, but, I mean, Jamie Cummer's mm-hmm. a no-brainer. Thomas Massey's a no-brainer. I'm with you on both. Oh, you're of talking those. about the federal level, you know? Yeah, I'm talking well, about I'm, going, I'm going to the House first. I'm going to the House first. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. Down. I endorse Comer and Massey. They're great. Yeah. Comer and Massey are no-brainers for me. Those, those are obvious yeah, choices for definitely. me. That, that, that's things that has to be done. Oh, and definitely. I want to talk to you about federal in a second. But when we get into some of these other races, like the Dan Syme race, I understand Dan Syme is probably the only choice in the 38th. But I don't trust Dan Syme or care for Dan Syme that much. I don't have any faith in Dan Syme. He's done one thing in his entire career. He got rid of the air pollution control vet testing here in Louisville. But that's pretty much been about it. Dan Syme has sold out anybody and everybody, including Chris Staneman, who will never believe it. But he has sold out anybody and everybody for himself. He pretends to be your friend. He pretends to be helping you. But behind the scenes, he's willing to deal to make sure he gets what he wants, even if he has to lose you in the process. That's the problem I've got with Dan Syme. He's shifty, and I don't well, I'm, like I'm kind of glad I called in then because I, I disagree with you again. Um, I, think he, he, I think he's one of the very few in the state Senate worth voting for. If I was still in a district, unfortunately, I just moved out of that district. Uh, he was my state senator, and he is the one who uh, had sponsored the adult use bill on cannabis when most of the Republicans are scared to death of a plant. And Dan Syme probably following in the footsteps of he his did that for his son. He only I, did, but I, see, that's I, don't care how, I don't care why they do it as long as they do it, Ed. <laughs> I get it. But see, that's the, the right problem. He did that because his son. Sure. Well, he did that because his son was going to benefit financially. And if his son you. benefited financially, Dan's going to benefit financially. I believe so he did, they he will benefit it. from it, health-wise and financially. Well, of course they will. Well, I've always been on board of medical marijuana. You know that. I'm not into legalizing marijuana across the board. I've always stated oh, that. But I've always been on No, I don't. I understand because the problem, because the problem is, and I probably haven't said this on the airwaves, I think it's ridiculous when people say, "Oh, I'm for medical marijuana," and, and like I say, that's why I would respectfully disagree with you because nobody goes around saying, "Oh, I'm for medical tobacco," "I'm for medical uh, martinis." Nobody says that; it just sounds stupid. But yet, somehow, if we say, "I mean, if marijuana is helping people," I don't care if it's if it's social or recreational well, or cancer or glaucoma; they should have the right to do that. Nobody says, "I'm for medical alcohol." It just sounds dumb. It's the problem is about marijuana. The problem is I'm not Bill Clinton. I used to inhale. I inhale quite frequently. I loved every damn minute of it. All right? Right. Uh, I, quit, I quit smoking as a very young man because that was when they first started the drug testing, and I wasn't going to not get a job, so I worked my whole right. life. Exactly. You know? Right, exactly. But the whole recreational thing, the problem is, and, and I've seen it way too much, especially on the factory floor at Ford, UPS, other places. You know, people go out, they smoke a joint, and, and everything is completely different. Their reflexes are different. They're slower. They're slower to respond to things and things like that. I've been high. I know what that feels like, and I know that I'm not paying attention to detail at that moment. And that scares the hell out of me. That's what people I, I are going to get hurt. I think you may be 100% right. I, I, yeah, I come from the other side. I've never smoked it, but I'm, I think I'm very fair because I think everyone should be allowed to, even though I don't. And the drug tests are big, but guess what happens with these private company drug tests? It's a private company. So that's what some people don't realize that if you if you legalize it is you still uh, have the right to run your company the way you want. And I, I, I totally agree with Ford or any other company. My company drug tested for marijuana when they hired me at the engineering firm I work for. And it's like I agree that private sector companies should be able to do what they want. So just because they legalize it, whether it's Colorado or Utah or Kentucky, you still have the right to uh, – say who you want working for you or not. 
Well, I agree with you there, but the problem is once you allow recreational, everybody's going to start doing it. Then you're not going to have a daggone work pool you can draw from unless they're high. So then your quality is going to go down, your injuries are going to go up, and you're going to have people killed and stuff. I mean, most of the accidents that happen out at Ford, for example, uh, these aren't people who aren't high or drunk. They drink out in the parking lots on breaks. They get high on breaks. I've seen people sneak in the bathroom and smoke a joint in a non-smoking facility, okay? And then, and then they come back and then they get hurt. That's the problem for me. That's a societal risk I don't think I'm ready to take at this time. Medical marijuana, I however. I, I totally disagree with you that everybody would do it because, again, when they when we legalized concealed carry, everybody didn't do it. When when they got real prohibition by the alcohol, everybody didn't do it. And when they brought in uh, medical in certain areas, everybody didn't do it. So I, I totally disagree with the uh, straw man argument that everybody's going to do it. Go ahead. Well, to me, it's not a straw man. It's based on reality, based on my experience. It's not a straw man argument because this is stuff that I've witnessed. I've seen it, that I don't think you mean everybody. Well, I can't. I can't give you a percentage. I've never done a research on a percentage. Okay. I'm just telling okay. you from my experience. I mean, I can't. I can't give you something okay. I don't have. That's fair. All right. I mean, you know, that's I mean, that's a fair thing. Be, um, you know. But I do want to talk to you about national, though, man. I'm glad you called in because I tell you, yeah. I keep hearing this stuff about this big red wave going on. I actually had somebody. Today, tell me that they think the Senate is going to pick up seven seats for Republicans, and the House is going to pick up three to five. Now, history says that the mm. House is going to flip blue. The Senate will be lucky to maintain the power. I personally believe that the Senate is going to maintain their 51-seat majority, but they're not going to gain anything. And I think that mm-hmm. the House is probably going to flip 10 to 12 seats that are going to go blue. They won't get majority, but they'll get half of what they need. Um, I don't see this big red wave that everybody's talking about. What are your thoughts on that? Well, and I'm trying to remember because I try to stay out of the uh, false left-right paradigm. When they say red wave, they're talking about the Democrats? Is that, that's right? Red, Democrat, blue? No, red wave means right? Republicans are going to pick up seats. Blue okay, wave means Democrats. It's the same party to me as the Uniparty, as, as you praised a long time ago. But, oh, I Senate. Yeah, I don't think the Senate's changing. Um, you're... Um, your Lord and Savior Donald Trump's been out there uh, doing a lot of stuff for the uh, for the senators, so I, I think that he's going to help him hold on to the Senate. I don't know what's going to happen in the House because I think when it gets late and we get out to the West Coast races, it's going to be interesting if um, if the Nevadas and Utahs and Dakotas can can make up for the the, the whack jobs in California and Oregon and Washington. So I don't know what's going to happen in the House. I think the Senate's safe. I think the Senate's definitely state Republican. Well, see, that's what I'm thinking. The real question for me is, do they pick up seats in the Senate? I right, think they're going to maintain. Right. It's 51 to 49 now. I think they're going to maintain that. I've got everybody telling me. I mean, I mean, people that I know trust their opinions, people that I know and trust their opinions and have for many, many years, continue to tell me that they think that, um, you know, the, the Senate is going to pick up an additional five to six seats. And I just don't see that. Um, I, think the media, you know, I think the mainstream press are, are going to have to be very careful when they get close to the West Coast races because they like to influence people to vote Democrat um, in, in the reverse. But when they get close to the West Coast, I think they're not going to want to tell people that races are decided. I think you're going to see them being more cautious about calling races in the uh, two Western time zones, Pacific and Mountain, because they want the Democrats to get out there and vote in the lands of nuts and uh, fruits. Uh, see, I agree with you, and, and, and based on uh, some called inside elections, they do all these forecasts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they're they're saying that there are seven toss-up states right now. They're projecting that the Republicans have 50 seats, the Democrats have 43, with seven toss-up states. And these toss-ups, mm-hmm. 
are uh, considered to be Montana, Nevada, Arizona. Are they calling Indiana? Indiana a toss-up? Uh, no, they've got Indiana a toss-up, too. They've got Indiana, Missouri, West Virginia. Um, if, I could you know, find, if they're calling Indiana a toss-up, if I could find a, a book, you know, I've, I've been on the gamble on a case. If I could find a, a betting parlor somewhere offshore, of course, they won't let us do it here legally, thanks to the Republican leadership, like Kevin Bratcher right. and the other guys in Frankfurt. But if I could find somewhere that would let me bet on Indiana's race, I would bet a ton of money that the Republicans going to win that Senate race in Indiana. So you think Braun's going to pull that off? I think it's going to be easier than you think. People are going to be amazed how easy he, he does it. See, I think Braun's got a hell of a shot to pull it off, but I don't think it's going to be a runaway. Yeah. The reason for that is well, Braun's Braun because it's Indiana, and you got the idiot on the other side, the incumbent Democrat, who just says whatever. I mean, he'll be he's he's yeah. heard one day, he's well, liberal the next day, and and well, he's been caught lying about everything. His own Democrat yeah. base, yeah, right. Hey, he's he's been, that's what his own Democrat base. That's going to encourage. Yeah, that's going to encourage people either not to vote in that race or stay home or or write somebody in and or just. I mean, I, I think that the people who are hardcore. On the Republican side in Indiana, that's that's a that's a Republican state, and I I think uh, I don't know what the percentages will be, but I'm sure they'll they'll call it a big upset. I expect the Republican to win it. Well, it, the way I'm looking at it right now, I think Arizona's going to stay red. I think they're going to stay red. Yeah. So that would that would maintain the 51 majority there. I do think yeah. that Mike Braun has a shot in Indiana. I do think he's probably going to win. At least I hope he does. That would be 52. Um, Montana. I think has a great shot of staying red or going red. Uh, so that would give them 53. That would be plus two seats. Yeah. But I can't see anything beyond that. I wasn't sure what you thought about that. No. And then, I think, uh, okay. I think you're right. I would, I would say 52, 53. I agree with you. Okay. I was just curious because I tell you, it's very yeah, interesting to me when we look at all of that. I'd be afraid to make a monetary bet on what happens in the House because it's all going to come down to the West Coast. Uh, when, well, see, I, that's I think it. once you get – yeah, once you get to the Midwest, I think the, the, they're going to be having fits. The mainstream media are going to be having fits when they see that it's not this big Democrat wave, and they're going to be hoping and praying that people do stay in the line. You know, they always wanted people to leave the line and say the elections are over when it, when it was hurting the Democrats, but I think they're going to be encouraging people to go out and vote in uh, California, Oregon, and Washington because I think they're going to need that to get the House big time. Right. Well, see, it's interesting, too, because they're calling uh... – the sixth district in uh, Kentucky House, a toss-up. Okay. Uh, you know, That's a workable race. I, I, I'm glad I don't live there. I have to vote for either one of those idiots that's running. I agree. The worst Republican who's ever been elected in Kentucky, and that's saying something. I agree with you. I agree with you. But then you got McGrath and everything Can't else. I hear no, I know, I know. But Amy McGrath, I tell you, you know, she's a veteran. I get it. She's a retired U.S. Marine. Great. Yeah, no, really? I'm she a was vet. in the military? Who knew? Oh, yeah, she's retired Marine. Yeah, yeah, really, who knew? Uh, you know, but that's she's all like, she's running she's on. She's like Bernie Sanders mixed with John Kerry in a skirt. That's what she is. There you go. Exactly. That's the problem. If, if it was anybody but Andy Barr, I think the Republicans would run away with this damn thing. But Andy Barr does suck. I agree with you 100%. I mean, Andy that. was my good friend, Frank Harris, who's the Libertarian candidate who was on my show. Right, I know so Frank well, yeah. Today. Yep, I know right. Frank. Oh, I We're know. I know Frank. I was um, the Libertarian in Louisville. Had, had done any campaigning. I, I know everybody wants to vote for Vicky Vicky four names or Vicky five names. How many she has and <laughs> against Sean. But if everybody knows you, Ed Martin, and I. We all talked about the fact they designed that race. They gerrymandered that that that, that district where Garmin's never going to lose. And but yet people say, oh, we got to vote for Vicky. No, Why? I, because you, 
I mean, I, she's, she's not a good candidate. I did not vote for her in the primary. Her, her Republican point in the primary was much better, and I, I, I wish the Libertarian in Louisville was campaigning as hard as, as Frank Harris, but I haven't heard uh, the Libertarian candidate on the ballot in Louisville do much campaigning. Well, Frank's been doing a lot for somebody who gets no, no mainstream press. The problem in Louisville is, I mean, even even the people who identify as libertarian here really don't work very hard, um, and that, that's the sad reality. That's the sad reality of it. Libertarians right. around the around the state work their asses off, you know. But I but I do think you would have a better libertarian party in Louisville if we made ballot access fair. That's the problem for me. You know, unless you're a Republican or a Democrat, what you have to go through to get ballot access is incredible. You know, you have Did to get more signatures. State house races and such. Any of those at all? We went through most of them, but go ahead. We got a couple of minutes left. Go ahead, real quick. Well, I didn't know how long you were in overdrive, but uh, uh, something came up, and this would be real inside baseball. But your your show as a smart listener, something came up, and I don't know if you're aware if you're aware of it. I know you're not a fan of the Republican candidate, but are you familiar with what's happened in the 43rd district? Okay, you got to be talking about Corley. He's I a am, worthless I am, piece of shit. But go ahead. I would vote him. I know you and I would disagree there. But what happened, <laughs> and I don't know many people know about this, so I just want to put it out on the airwaves for your uh, your, uh, your multitude of listeners. What happened over the weekend is the Libertarian candidate John Hicks sent out a mass text message, and Ken Moe and I were talking about this the other night. That's the big thing now is campaign text messaging. The Libertarian candidate John Hicks probably won't get any media coverage anywhere, but me talking about him here, he sent out a text message lying about Corley saying that Corley had dropped out of the race. And I even talked to Tim Moment about it. He was so pissed off about it, too. He couldn't understand why he would do it. And I was angry because I actually endorsed both of them. I I appreciate uh, Corley for for pissing off the Republican Party. I give him credit for that because he's like the the pariah that that we were back in the day. And I appreciate what John Hicks has said in his surveys. But, yeah, Hicks sent out a a text, uh, a mass text thing, over the weekend, saying that it's now a two-person race that Corley had dropped out of the race, and Corley said that he was going to be filing some kind of suit today in Frankfurt about it. So I, I don't know how that'll turn out, but you just can't do that crap. And like Ken Moment and I said, we we don't you don't expect that from a libertarian candidate. Why would you do that? I must have lost him. That leaves you. I'm here. I'm sorry. John Hicks, I've never cared for anyway. I've known him. I actually only had my mic muted. I went into a cough and fit and forgot to turn it on. Okay. Um, I didn't know you John knew Hicks, I've never cared for him. Yeah, he put, he put that yeah, out of the I've never weekend, cared uh, for him. Claimed, he he claimed changes. That dropped he, out of the race. he changes like the wind. Um, I wouldn't. I don't okay. care for John Hicks anyway. Uh, but the reality is I care for Corley Everett even worse. Um, this guy to me. Well, the real reality is like he's in yeah, well, I mean, it's a Democratic race where they gerrymandered big time along the river, you know, talking about gerrymandered districts. And we know the Democrats are going to win big time, but I just don't know why you do that crap if you're the Libertarian candidate in a heavily Democrat seat. I, I, I would hope and pray that, that they would do better than, than expected, but that's just disappointing for him to pull dirty tricks like that. You expect that out of the Democrats or Republicans, not out of the Libertarians. All right. No, I get it. I get it. But I don't I don't care for mm-hmm. either one of them. Uh, I do have to wrap mm-hmm. up, man. We got about two minutes left. All right. All I appreciate right, you calling I in. Appreciate you Thank you. On. Yes, sir. Thank yeah. you very much, Dale. Well, that was Dale the Truth. Uh, he used to have a show here, and then his work schedule changed, so he hasn't been able to do as much uh, in the last couple of years. It's nice to hear from him. I haven't heard from him in a while. 
Um, in the meantime, it's not a big secret. Tomorrow's election day all across the country. Uh, here in Kentucky, we have a lot of races to look at. Uh, we talked about quite a few of them tonight, uh, especially primarily in Louisville. Uh, you know, the big deal is simple. You know, I get so many people, we're so divided today that it's just unbelievable. And what's really amazing to me is, is how everything changes on who to blame and who's responsible. Everybody today looks for an excuse for what's wrong with their life instead of taking responsibility. The reality is these things have changed through the last few decades. And I'm sorry to tell you this. You don't want to hear it. But the Democratic Party has created this. Everybody wants to talk about what Trump tweets, what Trump don't. These races aren't about Trump. He's not on the ballot. The candidates in each individual state, district, and, and local level is on the ballot. And it's up to you to do the research on these candidates. We've talked about a few tonight. we told you why we believe they can win. We've told you why we're going to vote for them. Now, do your homework tonight and decide for yourself. But don't base it on a CNN report. Don't base it on a Fox News report. Go to the damn Internet. The Internet is your friend. Information is right there at your fingertips. Find out all you need to know. All right, but more importantly, get out there and vote tomorrow. I would love to see the highest election turnout we've had in a midterm. I really, really would. It's time that we started taking this country back, and we do that at the ballot box. So get out and vote tomorrow. I certainly would appreciate it. America would appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for listening. It's good hearing from you again, and we will talk to you next Monday at 7 o'clock. Have a great week. Take care. God bless. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you.